0: I love that song. And that has been describing uh, really my heart of late, Uh, feeling a fire, uh, practicing the way of Jesus. And we're going to continue that series uh, that we started last week, practicing the way, uh, the way of Jesus as we fix our eyes on him. Let us pray. Father, I know there's no place I'd rather be right now than to be here in your love, Father, I'm grateful to, to know you, that you revealed yourself through your word, through nature, through so many ways. And Father, I do pray that we can be a people that continually strive to, to enjoy being in your presence and uh, to, to continue to cry out to you and uh, to yield ourselves to, the, to your spirit so that we can be your ambassadors to this, this world. Father, I pray that even if we don't feel a a raging fire in our soul, even maybe some of us may feel just a flickering light. Father, we know that you won't snuff it out, that you, you can help us to fan it into flame. And we know one way that can happen is by deeply studying your word. And I just pray this morning that we can dive into your word and be inspired by you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So last week, Jordan did a great job, I believe, of kind of setting the stage for our, our series of, of practicing the way. And if you remember, he, he talked about uh, many things. And one of the things I appreciated he talked about was, you know, it's, it's, it's a yoke of Jesus that we kind of— get together with Jesus on, and it can feel like it's a little bit of a work, but it shouldn't be a burden. <laughs> it should be something that helps us, that frees us to be more like him as we, as we follow closely in his ways. And another thing I appreciate that he reminded us of last week was, you know, these, these practices that we're going to talk about, they're just the structure. You know, they're not the, the end-all be-all. And, and we can grow as a result of these types of practices. And so we're gonna look at some of these. I like being able to sit down and stand up with this new format. So, you know, I I like doing that. So I'm gonna sit down for a little bit. Hope the clicker works. There we go. Here's what we're gonna be doing. Just wanna make sure you see the schedule that we have planned for you. Uh, We're gonna be talking about uh, community and confession next week. And then we'll jump into silence and solitude. We'll look at the Sabbath. We'll look at simplicity, fasting, and also service. And the cool thing about these spiritual disciplines, as they are called, or habits that lead to holiness or whatever you want to call them, but we, we really believe that these are the things that Jesus actually implemented in his own life. And some of them are things that you kind of abstain from, like fasting, you abstain from food. And a lot of times those can help us when we struggle maybe with debauchery. Sometimes those, those spiritual disciplines of, of doing without can actually help us with that. <laughs> And, and sometimes we can get a little too into ourselves and really kind of have those, those sins of, of omission, right? And it's good to, to be reminded of things like service and, and to other people so that we can not forget about that as well. These spiritual disciplines, some are engaging and some are kind of abstaining, but both are needed to help us grow. And some more reminders from last week, that, and this is important, you know, what, all these things that we're talking about, they're not the end goal, Okay. Uh, in other words, we're not going to start using these uh, spiritual disciplines as the new way to judge how good of a Christian you are. You know, do you measure up? How many times have you fasted last week? That's not what we're trying to talk about or teach, but we do believe these practices are, are very meaningful and can help you. They're not the end result for everything, Okay. And the other thing is be comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm telling you, that's going to happen. And I I know today it's going to happen. I I predict it. I have a prophecy that some of this will be uncomfortable to you. Uh, But that's okay. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. If you're going to grow into something, who grows with consistent ease and convenience? Nobody. Nobody really grows. And don't forget the karate kid principle. You remember Daniel was doing all this menial work and he thought that wasn't helping him but the whole time he was developing movements that actually helped him be better at what he wanted. And sometimes what we're talking about, and today we'll talk about a a way to study the Word, not the only way, a way to study the Scriptures we're going to talk about today. Uh, It may feel uncomfortable, but trust me, You're developing practices that can help you get to a place where you can feel the presence of God more and you can encounter him in scripture and you can have that fire that's deep down in your soul. So yes, we're talking about the study of the word today, spiritual reading. And we'll we'll talk more uh, about that at the end. We have a a special treat for you. First thing I want to look at is a passage that many of us know if you're a member of this church, you know this passage, okay? Uh, this is one that we, we hold on to strongly. And if you're visiting with us, you're part of our virtual family and community, this is a passage that means a lot to us. And it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it says that really all Scripture is God-breathed, or every Scripture is inspired by God. That's the concept, right? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness— So that the man of God or the woman God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. They will be fully capable of living the life that God wants for them. But the key here, and that we hold this to be deeply true, is that we believe that the Bible is from God. It is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. And you might say, oh, Jeff, but, you know, I thought there was a comma missing in this one translation and another. You know what? There are copying errors in Scripture through the centuries, absolutely, but that doesn't take away from the inspiration of God. That the story that in the beginning, God right there, that is, the, that is a story that we get from Scripture. And the fact that he came and created, he came in the flesh and he'll come back again, no copying error is taking away from that message. And that message has been sustained over the centuries, many different authors, in different languages, on different continents, but still the same message. That there is a loving God, and He is here to take care of His good creation. And even though we may mess it up, He's coming back to make it right. We hold that to be true all scripture is inspired by God. And that's why we want to study it so deeply. And another passage we we hold on to is that we don't believe the Bible just comes because somebody thought of a good story and thought they would write it down. 2 Peter 1 tells us that, you know what, we, we need to understand that no prophecy of scripture, right, comes about by the prophet's own interpretation. But prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but the prophet's though human, spoke from God as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. This is the process. God's Spirit inspired humans to write, but the message was not their creation, these people's creation. We hold these truths as Christians. We hold them firmly here. And and it it was in 1996 when I was living my life, calling myself a Christian but not living the lifestyle, to be totally honest with you when somebody sat me down and uh, said, hey, let's study the scriptures together. And these two passages were two that they studied with me in 1996. And they've stayed with me. And I appreciate Steve Lounsbury and Chris Tolbert and Ruben Sodora, guys like Donnell Nelson, these guys, Will Chung. They helped me understand what it meant to study the, the scriptures. Not, because they're useful, right? We read that in, in second 2 Timothy, that they're useful. And so they said, you know, you need to wake up in the morning and, and it'd be good for you to to read the Scriptures and to have a, a, a quiet time with God to learn more about Him. And I took that to heart. And here's the deal. I wore this shirt on purpose. I'm not just trying to brag, you know, no, don't go there, okay? I wore this to remind me of who I am in my flesh, right? I went to Princeton, yes, okay, an Ivy League school. And yes, I was an English major. I read a lot of stuff. Even before I went to Princeton, I went to a private college prep school that was really hard, and I read a lot of stuff, a lot of books. And through those, ex- through those experiences, I was assigned the Bible for classes, but I was reading it as if it were, you know, literature, like something from Jane Austen or the narrative of Frederick Douglass or Homer's Odyssey or whatever. You know, there are books you read. Okay, I'm assigned it. I got to read it. I got to do good on the test. That's in my DNA. You give me a book, an English major, I'm going to dive in. And I'm going to try to figure it out and get all the nuggets I can, and then I can explain it, and hopefully I'll get an A. I mean, that's in me. that's That's the way I come from. But here's what I learned in my quiet time, and some of you have the same challenges, so I'm throwing it out there. In the quiet time, I found myself in an information gathering mode. It, and, and again, that's not bad, guys. Everything on here is not bad, okay? It's not like you're in sin. I'm just saying this is just a way to, that many of us approach the Bible, right? It's like, a, and I call it like a, an exercise in spiritual nugget extraction. You know, you're looking for the spiritual nugget that can, that can revolutionize your walk with God, right? And, and, and oftentimes it's, it's I'm the one that was in control, right? Okay, I know what, I, I'm struggling with this, so I'm going to read the passages on this. That's not wrong, but I'm the one controlling the whole interaction. I need this, so I'm going to go to the Bible and get it. Or these are the passages that I'm going to read because I want to read it. I felt, you know, I'm in control of what's going on. And uh, again, it, for me, it was, I, I viewed the, the, the Bible as something that, man, I got to cognitively understand it and master it. Like, I got I to get it down pat, you know, and that, that's just the way it is. If you're a Christian, you got to get that Bible down pat. And sometimes there were times when I would maybe have a devotional book or I was going through a reading plan. And sometimes, to be honest, I was trying to get through the plan for that particular day more than maybe really engaging the Scripture. Maybe you've never been there. I've been there in my, in my life. And so what I have learned over the 24 years-ish, right, whatever, that I've been walking with God is that if you continue to do only this type of method of studying the Bible— you choose what you're going to read. You approach it. There, and in your quiet time, you have kind of a section for reading and a section for praying, right? And, and some of you are more artistic. Some of you sing and then read. and pray. I mean, we're all different. But a lot of times we don't necessarily combine them all. It's just one section for each reading, praying, you know, singing, something like that. And what I learned is I think if we're not careful, we can end up in a spot that some really— spiritually minded people got into. Remember when Jesus in John 5, he told some people, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. And in some translations, he said, you diligently search the scriptures. I mean, they're going for it. But the scriptures point to me, Jesus said, but you refuse to come to me to receive this life. In other words, they were knowledgeable about the Scriptures, but they missed a relational component that was vital. Jesus was the Word in the flesh. He's standing right in front of a people who have read an entire—so much Scripture that points to Jesus. He's standing right there, and they don't even—they don't even recognize it. How can that be? They, They knew the Bible, but there was something maybe that they were controlling. They had an agenda when they were reading the Scriptures, and maybe it seeped in there more than they realized. And Jesus said, hey, I'm right here. I embody everything that the scriptures teach, but you, you just refuse to engage with me. And so what I'm, I'm learning some things about my time with God after these years. And that's when I'm, why I'm, I'm passionate about sharing. Wish I had like an hour, but I don't. I only got a few more minutes, to be honest. But this is what I've been learning. And I've been, I've been sharing this for about two years now. I've, I've been telling you I'm on a journey here. I don't, I'm not ma- haven't mastered this. But we, we got to remember, Jesus spent 30 years, roughly, as a Jewish person in his humanity. Okay? So Jesus spent 30 years in obscurity, pretty much. We don't know exactly what he was doing. But we know as a Jewish person, he was experiencing the rhythms of a, a Sabbath rest. That was normal to him. Things like fasting, all the stuff we're going to talk about, that was normal to him. He wasn't always on a 40-day fast, Right? but he, he fasted often, okay? We know that he cared about God's Word. And here's the mind-blowing thing about Jesus in his flesh as a person. Jesus never held in his hand or had in his possession the entire, quote-unquote, Old Testament. He, could, he didn't have every scroll to read. We, they didn't have it back in the day like we have it today. We got a Bible on our phone. We got it all in one place. They didn't have the Old Testament in one place. They may have had the whole maybe Torah but and maybe some other books, but that's mind-blowing. But here's the deal. In my time with God, I've been trying to switch some things up. And one of the things is I'm trying to consciously say to God, I want to give you—I'm consenting for you to come in (laughs) and do what you want to do in this time of reading. And I've been trying— to not just go to the scriptures that I want to read. I've been trying to go to maybe a list of scriptures and, and let that scripture be the one for the day. So I'm not even in control of that passage of the day. I found that helps me. And I'm trying to approach this time in the Word, of studying the Word as an encounter with God, being in His presence. I don't want to just read the Bible. I want God to use those words to really read me. I want to yield to Him. And I want to read attentively, slowly, and even praying as I'm reading, not as a separate section of my quiet time, but incorporating even prayers as I stop and deal with what's going on in my heart. And I just want to be consistently open to God's presence as I'm reading his word and, and asking what's going on internally. I want to be mastered by God. I don't want to just master the Scriptures so I can feel, you know, and that makes me feel good when I feel like I've really got a a passage down pat, and that's not wrong. But I don't want to approach the Scriptures only that way. I want God to master me. I want the Spirit to, to, to search me. And I want to learn, I want to practice, even though it's uncomfortable, how to ask myself certain questions about the passage that's right in front of me at the time. And I've been doing that lately, and it's been revolutionary for my walk with God. Absolutely revolutionary. I'll give you just some resources that I've been using. Jordan shared some last week. Here's some that I've been using. The one in the middle I shared two years ago. I've still been reading it, still been going through it. It's very helpful. But this one with 40 days, there's a closer walk with God. It really helps me because it it, it helps me to— incorporate silence into my Bible study for, for some time before I even enter into a Bible study. And then the cool thing is it gives me the scripture so I don't choose it on my own. And so I'm I'm just yielding. I'm trying to grow. I'm practicing it. And it's, it's somewhat uncomfortable. And the second day of this book, guess what the scripture was? The second day, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Man, I'm going to tell you what, I was frustrated I'm like, I already know this scripture. Literally, guys, that's, that was my heart. I already know this one. And, and, and so it's asking me these questions like, read the scripture slowly. Dude, I, okay, I'll read it again. You know, what word jumps out at you? Okay. I, what, and then, what word jumps out at you? or What phrase jumps out at you? And so I, I, I slowed myself down. I was battling in my own heart because I just, again, felt like I knew this scripture. And what, what came out of it is I started to, and, and I wrote some of this down because it was so helpful to me. And, and, and uh, here it is, because I started to realize, you know, I, I'm, I'm arrogant right now. And I started thinking about who Jesus was. I said, he's compassionate. He's, courage. he's full of courage, loyalty, and love. And that's who he is. And if he wants that to be in the world, then I need to be his ambassador to do it. But then it asked me, what resistance do you have to this scripture? And this is what I wrote down. I have felt the scripture is a burden. Also, like an overplayed hit on the radio, whenever I hear so- someone read it, I want to turn the channel. That's how I felt about this passage. So I had to take the time, and the longer I stayed with it, and the longer I prayed with it, and the longer I said, God, what's going on with me? And I felt like I, I, felt like I was in a dialogue with God. And, 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 he, and I think at one point it was just like, but did Jesus say it, the man of loyalty and courage? Yes, he said it. Then amen. You know, then it's good and it's, it's, it's worth it. it Ah, oh, these these moments in Scripture have been mind blowing for me, and it's a way of reading the Bible, and it's called it's called a divine reading or spiritual reading. Leg, it's, it says lectio. I know divina. Some people pronounce it lectio. but that's that's where it, it's a Latin word. But it's a way a way to read the Bible, not the way a way. And so, what we're going to do now. And this is going to be uncomfortable for some of you. Some of you are just going to go, ah, this is weird. This is crazy. I don't get it. But I'm telling you, I've, done, I've been f- having quiet times for 23 years. For the last year and a half, I've been trying this more and more. And even if you only try it once a week, I believe you will experience and encounter the Scriptures in a different way, a very powerful way that could help you. You may not get it today on this This video that we're going to show you where we actually practice it, you're going to actually get a chance to practice it on your own, right? Jim and Lindsay Long are going to lead this. You may not get it all today. You may, gosh, this is kind of getting, this is weird. But I'm telling you, if you stick with it in your own quiet times, I believe you will experience something powerful. I give you Jim and Lindsay as they lead us in Lectio
1: Divina. We're going to start the Lectio Divina now, and it comes out of Luke 7, starting in verse 11.
2: As we begin, let's get rid of the distractions of the week, stresses, and take a deep breath in. And hold it. And let it go. Take another deep breath in. and hold it, and let it go. So during this meditation, if at any time you find yourself distracted or your mind is wandering, bring yourself back to your breathing, and that will help refocus you. I'll read through the passage three times before each reading I'll give you a question something to consider as you listen there will be a brief pause in between each reading for you to engage with God there's no have to's if nothing comes to you, just be present and listen to the passage. So, before we start, let's be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. be still and know be still be as you listen to the passage for the first time put yourself in the scene use your senses to think about what you might be seeing and hearing smells, what's the temperature outside, where are you in the scene? Maybe you're an observer, maybe you're one of the characters participating in the story. And notice if there's a word or a thought or phrase that stands out to you, something about the passage that just shimmers or gleams.
1: Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country.
2: As you listen to the passage for a second time, if there was something that stood out to you, If you had a word or a thought, something about the story that really resonated with you, think about what God might be inviting you into. Is it some encouragement or truth, something you need to change or grow in? But think about what the invitation might be.
1: Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country.
2: So as we read the passage for a third time think about how you'd like to respond to God. If you sensed an invitation to something what is your response to that invitation? Maybe it's offering a prayer some worship or praise maybe there's concern or fear about a challenge. But think about how you'd like to respond to God's invitation.
1: Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country.
2: So as we read the passage for the final time, Just rest in the words, soak in the passage, be present to listening.
1: Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was carried, was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Father, thank you so much for this uh, recording of an actual event with Jesus. Thank you for the way that he uh, cared for that widow and that we know he cares for us. Father, we pray that this story would work in our minds, our imaginations, and in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Jim and Lindsay. I'm going to say a prayer for the Lord's Supper. And before that, I, w- I forgot to let you know that we are going to put on our website uh, in a, by the end of the day, I believe, uh, a guide to help you in a, in a small group setting if you want to use the material from this message today. And it'll also have a way to go through all of the different uh, movements, so to speak, of Lectio Divina, which can help you personally in your walk. So be looking on our website. Uh, for that under our nrcoc.org and you'll see a link uh, the practicing the way so let me say a prayer for the lord's supper. lord we thank you for sending jesus to us we thank you for inspiring people to record the moments in his life like we just were able to savor thank you that we didn't have to rush through it that we could see ourselves there an event that really happened. And we remember Jesus, that Jesus, that compassionate Jesus, ready to heal. We thank you that you brought him from death to life as well. And we celebrate that as we take the bread and drink of the fruit of the vine. And we thank you that you will return. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.